0: Hi there, book lovers. <laughs> Stop it. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. I was just enjoying it so much <laughs> the other end of it. You know, I've been running these Zoom events at night, and it's just such a joy to hear someone else say, Hello, lovers, welcome. I'm like, I got a little bit Hang on, hang on. All right, good to go. Good to ah. go. <laughs>
1: Hi there book lovers, welcome to Literary Elixirs, where we match books with delicious food and drink. I'm Justine the librarian and I'll be chatting with various bibliophiles about their favorite recommended reads and just what Elixir they choose to pair for a wonderful reading experience. This episode I'm joined by Christine Gordon, programming manager of one of Melbourne's favorite independent bookshops. Christine has been programming manager at Readings for over a decade and considers it the best job in Australia. I think she might be right. She was one of the founding members of the Stella Prize, sits on the Readings Foundation board, and has been a judge on various literary awards. She is passionate about Australian literature and ensuring that reading continues to allow endless possibilities for everyone. Christine, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to Literary Elixirs.
0: I cannot tell you what a pleasure it is to be here with you today, Justine. Thank you so much for asking.
1: I'm so pleased that you said yes. I'm very excited, but I know we're on a deadline with you today. So uh, my first question to you is, what does a day in the life of the Readings Programming Manager usually look
0: like? So when we say usually, Justine, do we mean in 2020 or do we mean previous years, do you think? Or should we do a little combination of both? I think a combination is it hasn't really changed that much. Uh, It's changed pretty dramatically. Given that my job was about bringing people together, uh, actually this pandemic has meant that I've had to look for other ways. So uh, in the past, it's always been about how can I get people into the one space talking about the one book and being as excited as I am or some of the staff or the publishing house about a particular title? Uh, How can I make sure that we all come together and have that beautiful collective feeling that you might get from a concert or you might get when you know that you've just heard something that no one else has heard. How do you make that sort of experience happen in a pandemic world? Well, here we are on Zoom and that's what you do. So in that way, my life has not changed at all, of course. Because I'm still pulling together events, I'm still trying to find those magic moments that authors and readers sometimes get where they connect and there's just a smash of kind of a a firework moment of of colour and recognition that they are part of that person's story or they understand that story a little more or they're thinking about a topic that they hadn't considered from that angle before. I'm still trying to find those moments. That's what my job is. It's a privilege to be in a role like this. Uh, I'm very lucky. I'm a very fortunate woman, Justine, very fortunate. Mm-hmm. So my day is answering emails and match matchmaking, really. I'm trying to always find the perfect in-conversation partner, trying to find the perfect title for a particular event and weighing up whether or not a particular book will actually work either online or in our previous life within a bookshop or a church or a library or a hall or a theatre or a town hall or all of those other glorious places that we used to meet in.
1: So what has been the biggest challenge then, just simply the online environment?
0: Uh, I I reckon the uh, biggest challenge has been our collective heartbreak, Mm. actually. I reckon that's what it is. I don't think that – I think stories will always be told and stories are needed even more so now. But I reckon that kind of collective sigh that the entire world took has been the greatest challenge because somehow you still need to find those sort of opportunities, even though your heart has broken a little, to bring stories to other people. And people need to find that courage to get back online and to look for other stories When they're feeling sad and they're feeling alone and they're feeling really isolated from their own friends and family. So how do you make the events relevant? How do you make them want to come again online when they may have spent the entire day on Zoom meetings or homeschooling or whatever it is?
1: so true so true um i think you do a wonderful job of it and i've always adored readings events because there's such a sense of community and i know that you will be able to transition that sense of community into an online environment with ease christine with ease
0: Ah, you're very (laughs) kind
1: so my next question for you was you have been with Readings for quite a few years. You've done so much with, I was gobsmacked by this number, over 300 literary events run in a normal year, the development of the podcast, so many other things that you've done. Is there any one thing which stands out to you as a
0: highlight? Tough question. Uh, It's a really tough question because like all good parents, I don't have any favourites, of course. Uh, There was a delicious moment once when uh, an editor rang me up and said, Chris... Do you reckon you could put on an event for Gloria Steinem if I got her here to Australia? Well, I have loved Gloria Steinem's work for so, so long and so much so that my best friend actually calls me Gloria as a kind of a teasing and has done for years and years and years. And when I, after I got off that phone call and I did sort of a victory dance as one does around the office and I went to Mark Rubo, who owns Readings, and I said, Mark, you know, this is this has happened, you know, I think we're going to do this event with Gloria Steinem. I think she's going to come to Melbourne and I think she's only going to do one event and I think it's going to be with readings. He was like, oh my God, he said, who should you ring first? Should you ring your mother, your husband or your best friend? Who should you ring first? And I just loved my job so much at that moment. One, because of course I had one of my feminist icons coming to Melbourne, but two, because I understood that I worked in a workplace that understood my greater environment. And by the by, I I rang my best friend.
1: I was going to say, I (laughs) bet you did. (laughs) Oh, that's fabulous, fabulous. And I'm sure the event was amazing.
0: It was amazing. It really was amazing. And she was incredible. And she signed in one single day uh, over 2,000 books so that everyone that came to the event uh, could in fact receive a signed copy of Gloria Steinem's uh, book. It was amazing. amazing. It was amazing. Yeah.
1: Ah, oh, wonderful, 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 wonderful. So many cool stories, I'm sure, but we're going to stick to that one. Um, the Stella Prize now, it's such a wonderful addition to the Melbourne literary scene.
0: How did you come to be one of the founding members? Well, you know what? It was actually in an event at Readings. We did, uh, I've always tried to put on an event for International Women's Day. I've always been a feminist and uh, it's terrific to be in a role where you can combine some of those important political elements of your own personality into the wider community. So we're doing an event to celebrate International Women's Day. But if anyone knows, of course, you don't celebrate International Women's Day. You need to acknowledge it and you need to say, hey, what else needs to be changed? What needs to be moved? So on this particular night, I had a panel of writers and publishers talking about why women hadn't won at that point the Miles Franklin Award for a really long time. And that's why we called it actually the Stella Prize because that was Miles Franklin's real name. And uh, after the event, after this panel with all these women, we all went to the pub, as you do. And like all great things, we started talking and creating ideas. And as women have done since the beginning of time, literally sat around the table and plotted out the Stella prize. You fixed it. Well, a whole group of women did, of course, all by, all by talking and listening. Can you believe it? Can you believe? I it? can. <laughs> solutions can be found that way. <laughs> ah, such
1: a one. I love origin stories that involve people just getting together and, and having a yarn and they're saying, wouldn't that be nice if this existed? And uh, yeah, and then it does. And it's just such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, you must be very proud.
0: I'm very proud. I'm very proud that it continues, that it continues to grow, that it's got a schools program, that there's the counties on. It's amazing to watch. I, it's incredible.
1: <laughs> well anybody who doesn't know about the Stella prize needs to get to the website and check it out because the winners are some spectacular women writers but the, the long list and short list is also always so interesting and there's just some really really different books on there every year that i'm like oh i haven't heard of that and i really want to so yeah definitely highly recommended to get along and check out all the books that um get nominated uh, on the website there all right my last question before we get into the thick of it you clearly love recommending books as well as reading them. And I have loved, loved, loved your reviews and previews on the Reading's Facebook page. Do you, have, <laughs> do you have a memorable hand-selling story or any particular tips when it comes to recommending books to people?
0: I reckon the key to recommending books is not trying to be clever. Don't try and be a tother about it. Tell them why you like this book. Don't try and make it filled up. Don't try and make your description filled up with long, complicated words or comparisons to obscure authors. Just always keep any hand selling or any recommendations as a kind of a chit chat and uh, speak to the other person like you would speak to your friends. That's what I think always. Uh, books and stories are the great connectors in our world and, uh, there's no there's no need for us to be fancy about it. We just have to be heartfelt.
1: Stories are exactly that, aren't they? They're such connectors and, and as humans we're just so we love story, don't we? And it really is the, the best way to connect to another human being.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So that's what I reckon you just gotta you just gotta be really honest about it and really uh, sincere that that's it that's all it takes
1: well then what a great segue because i cannot wait to hear what two of your current favorite reads that you have chosen today to recommend to us but also to pair
0: with something delicious so what was your first pick christine okay so interestingly uh without even meaning to but only when i had these titles on my desk did i realize that i have chosen two books that have a road trip at the theme of them and I guess that must be my subconscious telling me that I want to get the hell out of this 5k radius but I've chosen two glorious books and both of these books are by Australian authors and both of them have been recipients of prizes of literary prizes and I think that's really important in Australia that we encourage as many emerging writers as possible and uh, there's two fantastic well there's lots of fantastic prizes out there apart from the readings prize but these ones I'm talking about Uh, The first one is by Imbi Neem and she was the winner of the 2019 Penguin Literary Prize and she wrote a book called The Spill. Uh, This is a a road trip, if you like. It's about a a car accident, but it's actually more than that. It's about how memory works with families. So uh, it's really sent on two sisters and the way that they remember a particular car trip and a particular car accident. It's there. the way that memory can play tricks on you. And even though uh, two people can be in the same place at the same time, our memories can be completely different. It's a play on that. Uh, It's by Imbi name, it's called The Spill. It's incredible. Now one of the sisters in there is a pretty hefty drinker and a pretty crappy cook. So this book is perfectly paired with room temperature Chardonnay. Room temperature Chardonnay. I think it's okay to drink the whole bottle. There's scenes in there where people are completely blotto. And actually a frozen ham would be perfect. Defrosting. Knowing that you can make some sandwiches later. Uh, Perhaps you might have some friends and family coming over. But the frozen ham... Which actually can be really delicious, defrosted. frosted, it's what I would be pairing the spill with. I'm sure Sydney would agree with me.
1: <laughs> have
0: you read it? Have you read this No, book?
1: I have not. And I, am, I have no idea what to say to that particular pairing, Chris. I mean,
0: Chardonnay and frozen ham.
1: Room temperature, too. You specified oh. room temp, Chardonnay. I'm surprised you didn't say Cardonnay, to be honest.
0: I didn't want to, but I thought it might get lost in translation.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> and a frozen ham. I have never had a pairing like that. Uh, yeah, yeah no. but you know
0: well, what? Since I'm saying white wine and ham sandwiches, but uh, you could throw in some frozen chips. You could, ah. you could. One of them is in a very appalling cook, and the only sort of references to food throughout it is uh, is the is the you know the art of defrostation. <laughs> It sounds so interesting,
1: and I love that play on memory because it's so true, isn't it? I often have that conversation with my brother about, or even my mother about, a certain incident that I remember so clearly, and the others are like, no, it didn't happen like that, it happened like this. I was like, that's not what I remember. Um, And it's, yeah, it's a really interesting phenomenon. So, oh, it sounds so cool. It's
0: such a great, great book. It's been launched this year, it's been launched in the middle of the pandemic, which is tough. That's tough for anyone. But this book is selling so well at the moment and it's because it's uh, i think uh, it is a story about siblings and about how beautiful australia is but it's also about how complicated each and every one of us are mm,
1: yeah. no it's honestly the problem with doing this podcast chris is that my tbr pile just grows and grows and grows so <laughs> i'll just have I to hear. put that one on it
0: <laughs> i hear ya
1: all right, so I don't like to let my guests do all the work, so I have chosen yes, I a pairing. Got. I have chosen Boyfriend Material by Alexis oh Hall. Have you heard of it? No,
0: tell me everything.
1: <laughs> so it is the light, bright romance we, read, we, we need to read right now. Um, mm-hmm. Luke O'Donnell's rockstar parents split when he was young, and the father he's never met spent the next 20 years cruising in and out of rehab. Now that his dad's making a comeback, Luke is in the public eye, and one compromising photo is enough to ruin everything. To clean up his image, Luke has to find a nice, normal relationship. And Oliver Blackwood is as nice and normal as they come. He's a barrister, an ethical vegetarian, and he's never inspired a moment of scandal in his life. In other words, perfect boyfriend material. Unfortunately, apart from being gay, single, and both of them really, really in need of a date for a big event, Luke and Oliver have nothing in common. They don't even really like each other. So they strike a deal to be publicity friendly, i.e. fake boyfriends, until the dust has settled. Then they can go their separate ways and pretend it never happened. But the thing about fake dating is that it can feel a lot like real dating. I absolutely adored this story. It was so fun. It's such a romp, a proper romp, but it's so well written as well. And there's a, a fizz to the dialogue and in Luke and Oliver's relationship as well. I stayed up until one in the morning reading this book. I just could not not finish it, you know. I um, It's just light. It's bright. <laughs> What's that song from the producers? Keep it light. Keep it bright. Keep it gay. <laughs> I just loved it so much. And uh, it sort of reminded me of Red, White and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Uh-huh. It has that similar kind of style, and you know, it's 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 a male male relationship, and but it's so much fun, really sparkling, and with a fresh sweetness. So I was thinking peach Bellini. It's um, it's a really lovely brunch. There's a really lovely brunch scene, and right now I would almost kill for a proper brunch and a Bellini. So that was my pairing.
0: Also because when you, as soon as you said that, I imagined, you know, being outside with a summer breeze and that kind of, that smell of the sort of the summer washing over you. I would just say, that sounds so fun. It really, oh, really, really <laughs> well, I'm sure you can well, Am it. I going to watch it? Am I going to watch it on Netflix? Is it going to be made into a movie? Look,
1: I have not heard, but it wouldn't surprise me if it eventually is because it is, it's a really fun, really fun rock, And I think it would do well on TV. Absolutely.
0: But that's all from me. So I want to hear your second book pairing.
1: All right. So
0: this is uh, another recipient of an Emerging Writers. This is Sam Coley's book, winner of the Ritual Prize, which is a Hachette Prize for Emerging Writers. This is his debut. It's called State Highway 1. And it's about a road trip again, but through New Zealand, from one end to the other, uh, the main protagonist, Alex, comes back into comes back to New Zealand because his family have been in a car accident. He's estranged from his twin sister, Amy, and they decide on a car trip from one end of New Zealand to the other to work it all out. But in actual fact, this is much more of a, a, a book about Alex's state of mind, about grief, about what trauma does to memory. Uh, it, Again, like the spill, it goes backwards and forwards from childhood to adulthood and you have to, as the reader, have to work out what is real and what is not real. It's quite a heartbreaking book. This road trip is fuelled by Lucky Strike cigarettes, cheap, cheap, nasty booze and takeaway food. So to read this book... Again, I'm going back to room temperature, but I'm thinking room temperature beer, maybe some vodka, and I reckon a drive-through. I reckon some hot chips and uh, a burger along the way, because there seems to be no fruit or vegetable consumed throughout the entire, with the exceptions of potatoes, entire novel. No, I could be wrong, but, There's certainly a lot of junk food and the descriptions of those sort of nights and the rubbish in the back of the the car are so reminiscent of my own life when I was in my 20s that it was just a glorious reminder of how bloody old I've become.
1: (laughs) not true but yes that sounds fascinating i'm so interested in the fact that both of your books not only is it road trips but it's car accidents and memory as well you clearly got a bit of a theme happening there
0: i really must have and i didn't i didn't realize the link until as i said before until i had both of these titles in front of me but i reckon i've always been obsessed with that idea of memory of how we gather people's stories and I don't know about you, Justin, if you've ever reread one of your favourite books, there's always something in there that's not quite what you remember or you realise that you've put your own interpretation onto a certain character or uh, it actually was all about the surroundings of what, what what you were doing when you were reading that book that had somehow become part of that novel?
1: Absolutely.
0: So, so I guess as we're here in this sort of lockdown, I've been really thinking about the environment that I'm reading these books in and what it feels like inside my own personal self to what it must be if these sort of stories were real. It actually makes these novels quite real, like a kind of just outside my horizon I can see these road trips and I can see these people grieving. I understand that's happening all over the world right now.
1: Mm, I think we're all in a one of the stages of grief right now aren't we in some way whether it's you know a lighter style of that or, or not but yeah there's there's a lot lot to be said for being able to get on a road trip really isn't there I can't wait to go for one either
0: look well, look I'd be happy with Ballarat
1: yeah I, <laughs> <laughs> I know 5k is large enough but oh my goodness me not in a car Well, honestly, Chris, that was just so much fun, and I have loved hearing about those books. It's a short and sweet one, but I know you're such a busy lady. I'm so grateful that you were able to give us your time and talk about some really fabulous books and amazing pairings.
0: Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I I love talking about Australian authors, Sam and Imbi, who have both launched their books during this pandemic. They're deserving of our support. They're extraordinary writers. I think they're going to have incredible careers and they've started it all about a car trip come on it's perfect reading for right now
1: it's fabulous
0: well, that's all
1: from me, folks. You can follow Readings on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Readings Books, and you can check out more reviews from Christine as well as other reading staff and authors on their Facebook page. You can find Literary Elixirs on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Literary Elixirs. And if you've been enjoying what you've been listening to, please feel free to drop me a line on any of the socials. I'd love to hear from you. Enjoy all Elixirs responsibly. And remember, books go with pretty much anything.